Sean is going to come and speak. And uh, Sean is a man who you'll know, you'll have seen around here, but uh, he's a man who, as we've walked together over the past while, I've just come to just to really to know and trust as a man of God. He's a man who's like, who's quiet, um, but when he speaks, he speaks with wisdom, he speaks with authority, he speaks from experience in God. He's a man who loves the word, he's a man who loves the Lord, and he's a man who loves the church, and so he's a man who we trust to come and bring uh, something of the Lord to us this morning. Can I just pray with you, Sean? Uh, Lord, I just bless this man this morning in Jesus' name. I thank you for him, Lord, for the gift that he is to this body, Lord God. And uh, we receive him, Lord God, today in your name to hear from you, Lord, what it is that you've placed on his heart for him to expound your word with your spirit. Flow through him this morning, Lord God. Would it bring oil, Lord God, to, and, and balm to us, Lord God? Would it bring, Lord God, fire for our souls, Lord God? Would it bring, Lord, clarity for our minds, Lord God? Would it bring fresh vision for our eyes, Lord God? Fresh passion for life, Lord God? Fresh insight into who you are, Lord God? We just uh, affirm him and confirm him, Lord, as this guy who's going to bring your word this morning. We bless him today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up, Sean. Good morning. Now, if I do go on a bit, little bit too long, um, just remind me. I have a little um, watch in my thing there, which goes off at three o'clock and tells me when it's time to stop. Okay. So, just in, just in case I happen to go on a little bit too long, but I'm sure you do some sort of give me some sort of a sign. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 10, looking through the Psalms. And you know, <laughs> have any music? Do you know? I love the Psalms and I love Proverbs because just before you even start here, a very wonderful man of God once told me that the Psalms teach us how to pray to God. They come inspired from God for us to send them to God. And just before the other one there, Proverbs teaches us how to live with men on this earth. And Proverbs, sorry, and Psalms teaches us how to pray and worship God. I've come across a few churches which even sing the Psalms on their Sunday mornings. Um, a couple of them in Scotland and places like that. Very interesting just to hear them all singing. Beautiful it is. Anyway, here we go. Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you pay no attention during times of trouble? The wicked arrogantly chase the oppressed. 
depressed are trapped by the schemes of the wicked have dreamed up. Yes, the wicked man boasts because he gets what he wants. The one who robs others curses and rejects the Lord. The wicked man is so arrogant, he always thinks, I don't care. God won't hold me accountable. He doesn't care. He is secure at all times. He has no regard for your commands. He disdains all his enemies. He says to himself, I will never be upended, because I experience no calamity. His mouth is full of curses and deceptive harmful words. His tongue injures and destroys. He waits in ambush near the villages, in hidden places. He kills the innocent. His eyes look for some unfortunate victim. He lies in the ambush in a hidden place, like a lion in a thicket. He, try, he lies in ambush, waiting to catch the oppressed by pulling in his net. His victims are crushed and are beaten down. They are trapped in the sturdy nets. He says to himself, God overlooks it. He does not pay attention. He never notices. Rise up, O Lord. O God, strike him down. Do not forget the oppressed. Why does the wicked man reject God? He says to himself, you will never hold me accountable. You have taken notice, but you have always seen the one who inflicts pain and suffering. The unfortunate victim entrusts his cause to you. You will deliver the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Hold him accountable for the wicked deeds which he thought you would not discover. The Lord rules forever. The nations are driven out of his land. The Lord, you have heard the requests of the oppressed. You make them feel secure because you listen to the prayer. You defend the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere mortals may no longer terrorize them. Well, there's a cheerful sound for a Sunday morning like this. <coughs> Excuse me, dry after that. couple of very interesting things about this psalm and the previous psalm, Psalm 9, because at one stage the two of them were one psalm by itself. If you look, if you read Psalm 9, the one we went through last week with you Rob there, you'll see all of them basically just fit together perfectly. It's like a conversation with God that a person has, like David of course. And when the Jewish people used to teach their children, David did this still under the inspiration of God, of course, when he wrote these Psalms. They're put in such a way as people will remember them as children. Because the first one in Psalms 9, all of the verses start with the letter A or Aleph 
and the next Beth, Gimel, Dalath, Hay, Wazain, Chet, Het, Yod, Lamed, Mem, Sun, Lamek, Bam, Resh, Sin, Sin, Tov. The Hebrew alphabet, every verse goes like that. A little bit here, the next one, two lines, the next words, the next ones. And we just miss that when we, when we read it here in English, don't we? We don't get to understand how these kind of ways that people use before help people to remember. I mean, we can all remember still to this day, can't we? A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cat, and D is for dog. We probably all read it in little alphabet books when we were kids or had been read to us. But young children in the Hebrew times used to have to be able to recite a couple of psalms like that and the way they do it from memory would be because A, B, C, D, E, F. And that's how they'd be able to be able to do it for them. One of the best examples of that of course is Psalm 119, which I'm not going to read out this morning. It's a little bit long. But um so what is this Psalm all about anyway? We suffer the innocent those who love God. We have how's the best way to put this? We have a certain innocence about us which sometimes the wicked can use pick on us. I remember one day I was out doing evangelism this guy stopped me right in the middle of the street there, you know, when I was praising the Lord and telling people about the gospel of Christ. And he says, um, does it say in the Bible, if your brother needs a coat, you should give it to him? I said, yes. I want a coat. I just pointed out to him the fact that um, he was actually wearing a coat already, so he didn't, wasn't in need of one. But he just tried to. If you know what I mean. I have known people, Christians, who have actually turned around and taken off their watches and given them to people who quoted that psalm saying that they needed a watch or they needed money or something like that. But wicked people will turn around and twist scripture to further their purposes and their causes. You know, every day we can have people come to our door who may not know Jesus and we have a great way of doing evangelism there if we don't feel we can go out in the street and do evangelism or we're scared of doing it maybe ourselves or whatever but it is good to be able to tell people why the Lord has turned around and changed your life what he has done in you how he has moved in your life how he has taken you from the muck and the mire sat you here in a beautiful place every day around the world Jehovah's Witnesses Mormons, Christadelphians Hare Krishnas all these guys they're on the streets in Dublin they knock on our doors and they try to bring us a false gospel I'm not going to go into everything that they are believe because as I say there's one thing that just points out to everybody what a false gospel is unless you just judge it 
against the cross of Christ. If it does not have Jesus Christ on the cross as the top one and only way of salvation, if it doesn't have that, say goodbye. People will tell you you need to be baptized, be saved. People will tell you you need to know certain handshakes, wear magic underwear, and all kinds. Yeah, yes. Take my word for that. They're out there. Yes, they are. All kinds of different things to basically make you eligible for heaven. But not one of us here is eligible for heaven at all. Each and every one of us here, unfortunately, also, in our innocence, sometimes we do sin. I sin. It can be hard sometimes to get away from something. It might be easier to turn around and get out of something by lying and do something like that, but we know we've got to turn around and confess that to the Lord. Repent of it, and if basically we've turned around and told a lie to a brother or a sister, then they basically come, to our, come back to them and just say, I'm sorry, I said I wasn't home that day when in fact I was. I just wasn't really up to going out that day. So that's where sin goes. If you're with these other groups, they don't have forgiveness of sin at all. And they don't understand what it means to be free from sin. They don't know, basically, how simple it is. And they can't grasp the simplicity of the cross. The beauty of the cross. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was just the Archangel Gabriel put into a man's body. And that Jehovah lives on a planet in the Pleiades Nebula. You won't hear them saying it down the streets, but I've got their books, I've got it printed out. It's not for public, um, how do you call it? It's not something you give out to the public, they say, because they may just sound a little bit weird. Same as when the Mormons, they put on a wonderful pageant every year, a big Christmas pageant, and people come from all over the world to see it in Salt Lake City. But in their belief, God was a man who lived on a planet who through the precepts of Mormonism became a god and got his eight wives up there in a place called Kolob. Now, and what he does with his eight wives up there is make spirit babies. And each one of us basically are spirit babies. We're vessels for them spirit babies to come down into. And the first two spirit babies were Satan and Jesus putting them equal. That's not right. And when you think about it, Mary, mother of Jesus, she's his daughter as well, by sex. And they believe that he came down. Not the Holy Spirit. They believe that God came down and had sex with Mary to procreate Jesus. 
it's sickening when you think about it. How much they turn around and just make Jesus out to be nothing. Nothing. But Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Could you not feel it today when we were singing? It was beautiful, beautiful feeling of calm and peace. And I was expecting at any minute there for Jesus to come walking up the aisle. Because it was just so beautiful and gentle. I was thinking, are we even going to have a sermon today? Because look at this. This is not a time to have a sermon. This is a time to be before the Lord. Beautiful, that's the whole feeling there. But the Lord wants what he wants. And for some reason, told me to get up here today. If my knees worked, you'd see them banging together because actually it is a very hard thing for me to get up and do sermons. If I was doing teaching, I have no problem at all getting doing teaching. And if I'm doing the gospel out in the street, no problem. Comes out to me like leather lungs, you know. But of course, I don't go on about hell or anything like that in the streets. But I do mention that there's an awful place that people can go if they reject the gospel. And that's another thing. There are actually churches in Dublin, Christian churches, that now teach there's no such thing as hell. What did Jesus speak most about? In all his talkings and teachings and speaking, believe it or not, money first. And the second thing he spoke most about was hell. So these people in these churches, Christian churches, good churches, just have basically gone a little bit off the path and begin to think now. When they say there's no such thing as hell, it just means the grave. That's just bad translation from the Greek. It means the grave or the rubbish tip is where you go or something like that. If you're bad. But if you're good, straight up there to heaven. Can you see the wickedness of Satan and his hands in there? Just trying to catch us unawares. Just to try and stop us, if you know what I mean. Not knowing the true gospel. True gospel. Jesus has saved us from hell. And that is one of the greatest things we will ever, ever come to realize. Just shortly after I became a Christian, I had a dream. And it was the most realistic dream I ever heard or actually ever had. And I believe the Lord gave it to me for a reason. And it was that I was suddenly down there in hell. I had died and I'd gone to hell. And let me tell you, folks, when you really realize how bad hell is, you really don't want to think of any one person going there at all. 
none of your family, none of your friends. Everybody needs to hear the gospel of Christ. This place I went to, in that dream that night, it was black. Just pure, pure, pure black, blackness. You couldn't see your hand in front of you like that. And as I moved around, it felt like I was cutting my hand on glass when I put my hand against things, when I bumped into things. Everything I put my hand against was like razor sharp or like broken glass. And I was stumbling around there. And I was saying to myself in this dream, what, what, what? I became a Christian. I put my trust in Jesus. Why am I here? And I could hear these little voices would come back saying things like, you're too late. You couldn't see anybody, but you could hear these voices. And they were mocking. And they were saying awful things. And the heat there basically made it very hard to breathe. It was just a vision that I want to never, ever have again. The Lord gave me a vision of heaven as well. A couple of years later, in a dream. I'll tell you about that some other time. But when you realize how bad hell is, and it is for real, it really is there. You'd never want to see anyone going. Not even the wicked people mentioned in this here that talks about people who lie in wait to deceive, to steal, to kill, to rob. I wouldn't want to think of anybody ever going there. Because just the feeling of loss, separation from God, separation from Christ, separation from my family, my friends, for all eternity, stumbling around in that darkness, just stumbling, falling, and just cutting yourself, inflicting more pain as you try to make your way around the place, just to hopefully see somebody, even a creature, but all you have is this tormenting, tormenting, tormenting jags coming at you again and again. It was awful. I woke up in sweat, absolutely soaked, head to head to toe, waking up after that. And I opened up my Bible and started reading that night. I didn't go back to sleep at all. I'll tell you that one. I was terrified of going back to sleep. I was thinking, did I eat cheese or something before I went to sleep or something? But no. <coughs> Excuse me. A little bit of a frog in here somewhere. Anyway, there are times in our lives as well when we wonder, why does God allow us to go through times of suffering? Where is he? As this, as this psalm asks, where is he in these times? Where is God? Sam, of course, answers in the end there that 
He sees and knows what's going on. And that the wicked will be punished. But suffering can bring out the best in us. I remember there used to be a hymn we'd sing in churches years ago called Refiner's Fire. Anyone remember that one? Refiner's Fire. My one desire is to be holy. And we ask the Lord to turn around and put us you know, into tests and trials to refine us. The gold is refined. Test it. God allows us sometimes to go through times of suffering because it creates character in us. God's there with us all the time. He knows that such trials and tribulations will cause character in us. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, when, when Paul's talking to the people about their problems that they were going through, tribulations, etc. You know yourself um, in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it talks about if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, God rose from the dead, we will be saved. That very verse led Martin Luther to realize religion is a racket. This is where salvation is, in Christ Jesus alone. Not religion. Religion, unfortunately, is just something that men invent. But Paul, knowing how people were being persecuted in saying, when he's talking about saying that Jesus is Lord, he's saying that for a very strong reason. That reason is that every year, the people of Rome, to have a license, used to have what's called a licitor, a license had to have it there and if a Roman soldier stopped them to investigate they'd say where's your licitor where's your license and these are the licenses to be a citizen of Rome and live in Rome were only gained by going every year up in front of Caesar taking a little bit of incense tossing it into the fire there and saying Caesar is Lord now could Christians do that? No. So they unfortunately will be persecuted, thrown to the lions for going up there, taking a little bit of incense, standing before Caesar, popping it in there and saying, Jesus is Lord. They knew then that basically it's a one-way trip to the lions. 
and they're going to be like uh, not in the audience but main attraction unfortunately but their bravery in their bravery and in their sufferings Paul says this in Romans 5 3 and 4 not only so but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope sometimes suffering makes us more dependent upon God too often we ourselves think we're you know, a bit self-sufficient we can do it all, we're able to sort out our life, you know what I mean and we don't even put Jesus in first in our life sometimes we think we can just do it all by ourselves and we're not even seeking God as to what he would do in some situations we think that we can just step in there and do it ourselves first of all because we know what to do so sometimes God has to turn around and let us go into a little suffering to make us more dependent upon him. At no, at no other time is it more likely we are to realize that we depend upon God for our very breath believe it or not even our very breath we depend upon God Paul says when he was addressing the Greek philosophers in the Areopagus in him we live and move and have our being as some of the other poets have already said we are his offspring we depend upon God even just for our breath Think of the importance of these two passages. First Peter 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have suffer and grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And James, chapter 1, 2 to 5, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that your testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must, fi must finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Ask, and it will be given to him. Trials, tribulations, there's a reason for them. They make us better people. No matter how hard they are at the time, the 
been going through them. They are there to help us. I'm in this chair since 2003. I began to lose the use of my legs in 2001. I was going around in crutches. But I've had so many dreams and visions of going out in my last mission trip with my wife to Siberia. It's what the Lord has put on my heart. And love to go there to the people in Siberia. Strange, I know, like a place to go there when it's minus 50 sometimes. Big old place. Not easy to get your wheelchair through the snow. But I don't think I'll be going there in a wheelchair. For I believe the Lord's going to heal me. I've seen healing in others. And I know God is able to just touch me get someone to pray with me or wake up the next morning and find that I'm totally healed. I can move my legs again and walk. I know this will happen and it will be a testimony to people about God, how he heals even today. It will be an amazing testimony because of just because of who I am in a way tallest man in Ireland. Something you just can't ignore really when you walk down the street. You know. It's like that. So I believe this is a time for me, it's a time of testing. I've been going through hard times. I've been going through trials, tribulations, whatever else. But I believe it's to make me ready what lies ahead. So I'm prepared for going to a country where the gospel has been banned. Vladimir Putin demanded that all Christian organizations, sects or churches or whatever else like that, that were not there in 1914 already got to get out. The only Christian organization that was still able to be there was the Salvation Army, believe it or not. They then were told that there cannot be an army of occupation in that country. And in their wickedness, he said, you've got to change the name your church, the name of your organization. If they did do that, what happens? Oh, your new organization, you've only been here two, since two, 2019. Oh. And the last group that preach faith in Christ Jesus alone will be gone from Russia. But praise God, he's, he's been able to keep them there to all kinds of paperwork and all kinds of things that's going on and will continue to go on there. But I believe that time will come again. There was a short while we were able to go to Russia, start churches, preach gospel. But that door is closed now. It'll open for a little while again. 
hopefully I'll be on my feet and I'll be able to get out there and bring the gospel to the people and to the Inuit Indians, these poor people who are just dear herd as, as all their life is. They walk across from Siberia to Canada where it's frozen during the middle of some times. Freely they walk about and they're being persecuted again by the Russians. And you have got just your heart for those poor people. They have nothing. The deer have been taken off them. But what have they got? They just end up drunks lying around the streets with nothing to do, no purpose in life and no understanding of what happens when you pass away. So Siberia it'll be I don't know when. Hopefully, I'll be able to go over there and I'll be able to send you back reports of what things are like over there. That'll be when, of course, you've got that big, sort of huge place in the Soto by that stage with schools and colleges and houses and all this kind of stuff. It's not just a little thing, eh? Bob, I know. There's going to be a lot more there than you can turn around and just imagine. Because God can do more than we can imagine. This Keep putting our faith there and putting feet on our faith and giving to Lesotho and what they need there. Thank you this morning for this word. God bless you.